The reading for today is from Philippians 3, verses 7 to 16. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. The word of the Lord. Touch upon the rooted announcement. For those of us who have been serving or as in any leadership, our church uh, starting this year want to make that as a prerequisite for us to serve. Uh, not because we want you to just go through some red tape, but this is such a great foundation class. So it's good for new members. It's good for uh, those who want to grow and serve. It's good for anyone who's exploring faith. Even if you're not sure if you're a Christian and you're like, maybe what is this about? This is also good for that as well. Um, recently, we had a I, sp I met with somebody, and he just did it on his own, and he said that I forgot how good Rooted was. Uh, Rooted is a curriculum written by Mariners, and it's a daily reading assignment, and once a week, the small group gets together to share and unpack the meaning, the understanding, and then just our lives together. After 10 weeks, um, there could be baptisms. 10 weeks, there could be just renewal of faith. Uh, but we trust the Holy Spirit to work through each of us in our time together with Rooted. So if you've been coming uh, recently... This is highly encouraged for those who have started worshiping with us in the past three to four months. Uh, and for those who have been serving but you never took Rooted, we want you to take Rooted as a, as a foundation course. So uh, please keep that in mind. It's going to start right after Easter. And those of you may know, I, I have a sabbatical in June. So it'll end right before the sabbatical. And so the hope is that you get connected with one another and then we were able to continue to uh, just build the church that God wants us to build through the people that he brings together. Uh, aside from that, uh, just again, I'm, a, I'm an ESFJ in Myers-Briggs. I'm all about extrovert connectedness. So those of you who are introverts, you don't like this. But if you could just take a moment and, and do, a, do a little like parade wave at each other, next to each other. And just greet one of them. Just say, hey, it's good to see you. Um, we'll, we'll jump right, right in. And today, I, I won't be sharing too long because we have a guest who will also be sharing uh, an incredible, her life story as well. So, let's uh, pray together and let's begin.
Lord God, in light of who you are, in light of what you've done, in light of your invitation to sinners like us to become sons and daughters with Christ, give us one pure and holy passion that simply is a life devoted to you. May this not be a radical life. May this not be just a mere religious life, but may this be the life of your church people because there is nothing worth living for and dying for in this world other than you. Holy Spirit, guide us and speak to us and encourage our church to know who we are, to know whose we are, and to know the work that you have called us to do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Two weeks, in the past two weeks, I heard two stories of widows uh, who've lost husbands, um, one tragically, another one martyred. And just Biola, they had a conference, and one of the guest speakers was a widow whose husband died uh, as a martyr. And she has this power to forgive. She has this power to press on. And so it makes us think, what is it about these people? What is it about these Christians who they're not phased by church life, but they are fully devoted? They're not phased by death. They have this absolute undivided heart for the Lord and the kingdom of God. What is it about these people? And so you have Saul who persecuted Christians and saw Stephen being stoned and he smiles. To a guy who encounters Jesus on the road to Damascus and he writes things like, not that I've attained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So what is it about these people who have this unrelenting passion for Jesus Christ. And so we see in Philippians 3, three things that, for, that we must encounter if this is who you are. If, this, if you've ever wondered, what is it about these Christians? They're willing to die. Early Christians are willing to serve the lepers. Early Christians are willing to not throw their baby out if it's a girl that they don't want and just throw them into the street for dogs. What is it about these Christians who live such a radical life in the world. Uh, we see that glimpse of that in Paul. Paul's writing Philippians 3. So there's three things I want to see in Paul's heart. First is this, that Christ becomes more valuable than anything else in the world. So let me share with this. If I told you my brother, this is hypothetical, my brother is a magna cum laude Harvard Business School graduate, he sits on the board of Johns Hopkins Medical School. He has a, a side business making prosthetics for the, the paralyzed. And he, he, I don't know, he owns an island. <laughs> I, think, I think if some of you hear that, a lot of us in our current culture will go, wow, that's nice. There, and there's something, either jealousy or there's admiration about titles. And what we see Paul in Philippians 3 it's completely the opposite. Let me turn to the first slide. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. But whatever gain I had, whatever I've accomplished, it's damage. The Greek word is actually damage. It's damaged goods. It's loss. It's debt for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. One of the things we see in these radical, crazy people is they actually believe 
that nothing in this life ultimately matters in the end than Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean live poorly. It doesn't mean live recklessly. It doesn't mean don't be successful. It doesn't mean don't attain great wealth. That's not what it means. Don't make those the goal of your life. That's what Paul did. These things, in light of everything, is nothing compared to knowing Jesus Christ. And so we have to remember that. I have to remember that. A lot of us, we see social media, we see the news, we see everything, and we're so entangled with accomplishments and, and just assets and net worth. And this is Paul. Paul says, Paul would have been every Jewish mom's dream, every Jewish dad's dream. My child, when he grows up, listen to what Paul writes in his resume. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I was of the tribe of Benjamin. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. That's kind of like almost arrogant. Like I'm the Korean of Koreans. You know, as the law, he was a Pharisee, meaning he memorized the Pentateuch and he lived it out to a T. He was a persecutor of the church as to righteousness, perfect. In other words, he checked his life and ticked off every box. And he was the Hebrew of Hebrews. And guess what he says all of this is? The Greek word uh, translates into rubbish. Human dung, excrement, compared to knowing Christ. You see, this is why God wants us to be free from our possessions and worth and what the world says is treasure. It's that saying, you don't own it. Once you look at these things, it owns you. But when you have Jesus, it frees you to live a life that Paul and these martyrs and these Christians can live. They're freed. And so, verse 7, Paul says, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. And then in verse 8, oh, sorry, verse 8, he continues, indeed, I count everything as loss for the sake of surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ. And I love this. When he uses the word knowing here, um, how many of you know me? Now, raise your hand. How many of you know me? Maybe two, three, my wife. And that word knowing is the similar word in Hebrew, yada, which means intimately to know to the depths of our being. That God knows us, yada us. Adam and Eve, they knew each other and they conceived. It's not sexual it means the deepest form of knowing. And so what Paul is saying is, I know Christ Jesus. And then here's the next part. I don't just know him, but I know him as, what is it? My Lord. See, we like to be the Lord's. We want to be the Lord. We want to rule our life. No one tells me what to do. I am 49 years old. No one tells me what to do now. But Jesus is Lord. And he says, this is my treasure. This is my value. And so the first thing that we see in Paul in Philippians is he's learned to separate his worldly accomplishments and treasures, and it's Jesus Christ. Who is your treasure? What is the treasure you're living for? Second, Paul goes on in verse 9, and to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes from faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Now, I have to read this still like 10 times to fully understand what he's saying. But let me help it, <laughs> make it easier <laughs> for all of us. He's saying this. I've tried my whole life to do everything possible correctly so God would accept me. 
I went to Hebrew school. I learned the Torah. I followed the law. I did everything I can. And gosh, it's tiring. And then I discovered a good news. The righteousness doesn't come from my efforts to follow God's law. But it comes when I humbly accept and believe in Christ. And I receive this gift. And he's liberated. So the second thing that these characteristics that Christians who are crazy and devoted have is they have this liberty and freedom because they know where righteousness comes from. It's a gift from God. Paul's realizing all the things that I accomplished, they tired me out and it didn't do anything. It was the moment that I humbly turned to Christ when he showed himself to me. My life was changed. Um, so we see it here, not having a righteousness of my own, but it comes from Christ. The gospel is liberating. Not having, but which comes from the faith in Christ. Now, how many of you know this sheep? This is a famous sheep. No one knows? Okay. This is, uh, in 2011, this is Shrek the Sheep. True story. Shrek the Sheep. Shrek the Sheep was famous because sheep are supposed to live with, you know, community and have a shepherd. This sheep, bad sheep, ran away, lived on his own for a few years in a cave. When they discovered him, let me read you the statistics. They found 50 pounds more than normal weight on him, enough to make 20 men's suits. Shrek carried six times the regular weight of the fleece simply because... He was away from his shepherd. Shrek died in 2011, but his story was just recently resurfaced because of social media. And then the Modern Farmer, this is, I guess, an organization, an internet resource for the farming community, was curious. Can a sheep's wool grow forever? And writer Jesse Hirsch interviewed Dave Thomas from the University of Wisconsin, and this doctor says, Thomas says, Sheep, like Shrek, will, will grow wool indefinitely. Here's a conclusion. Sheep, for whatever reason, are created to be guided by shepherds who will shear them. If they don't have a shepherd, they will die <laughs> covered with 50 pounds of wool. The only way these sheep are cared for and grow healthy is to have a shepherd who can shear them and save their life. And this is God's economy where we also get blessed by the wool. Guess what you and I were created for? A savior. You and I, detached from God, look like this spiritually. <laughs> ungroomed, lost, in danger. And we try to live it our way. But what we see here is saying, this sheep is reminding us, you and I are designed and created from the very beginning to have a God who guides us, molds us, chips away at us, prunes us, and even it hurts us, but he cares for us. And that is what Paul discovered, that my religious life and, and righteousness doesn't come from how I live, but it is humbly depending on the good shepherd. So Paul continues, 10, 11, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, 
I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul finds his identity, his dependence on Jesus Christ. So the two things we found out so far, Paul's treasure is Christ, not the world. But his full dependence is not on himself. But he finds that liberty in a shepherd, Jesus Christ. Lastly, Paul continues verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. I press on. That pressing on we'll talk about. Because Jesus Christ has made me his own. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. Uh, I ran track. Doesn't look like it. I ran track in high school four years. Um, I ran 50-yard, 100-yard, and I read a medley, a relay, relay. And then what do coaches teach you? When you're at the finish line, what's the, what's, how do you finish the race? There, there's, a, there's a straining, and you lean forward, and you dive towards the end line, right? Just in case. The Greek word that he uses, I press on, I strain. It's that same word that of runners finishing the race strong. They lean into it. They don't just passively. In fact, you could watch videos of people who celebrated too early. And then just be, they should have won, but they are celebrated like, yay. And then someone comes speeding right by them. There was a famous snowboarder. She almost won the gold medal in the Olympics. And then on the last hop, she did this little, like, cute move. And then she fell, and she didn't win gold. And so what Paul is saying is you're running this life as a race. And two things about that race. One is you finish strong. You press on. You don't just try to finish. You press and lean and you put everything in your life towards finishing this race. But here's the good news about the race. In the world race, there's this term called rat race. What does rat race imply? Get ahead of the crowd. Don't let anyone pass you, right? But here's a good thing about God's race. You don't have competition. Your only objective is to finish well. How many of you think you could run that race? I, I think we all can. Now imagine if God said, I'll only let 10 people into heaven. Go. Now God says, doesn't say that. He says, this is a race, press on towards it, forget what's behind you, strain towards what's ahead, and finish well. No one's competing. All I care about is, will you finish? That's different. So Paul says, I have a goal in life, and it's Jesus Christ, nothing else. And my ambition is not retirement, or not comfort, or accolades, or my children's successes, my ambition is simply to be faithful to the king and finish my life well, trusting God with everything else. This is the Philippians, that Christian life that frees us to run in a way that the world may say, you're crazy, you're lost. And you say, no, I just have a savior. His name is Jesus. And I just am dedicated to finishing my life well. So you don't have to compare. You know when you go to family reunions and everyone's comparing their notes? Like, well, my daughter got like 50,000 million scholarships and, you know, my son is now the CEO. And you're like, uh, 
What's your son doing? I'm living in my basement, playing Sony PlayStation. And you're like, I'm so embarrassed. But if you run the rat race, that's what it looks like. But if you run the race that's given to us through Jesus Christ, Paul is saying, I'm not looking side of me. I'm not looking behind me. I'm looking right ahead at Jesus Christ who's saying, come on, you got this. I'm the one. And my treasure is not just heaven. I'm going to say that again. Our treasure is not heaven. The reason why heaven's beautiful is not because we get to sit in the clouds with naked cupids with wings, which is weird. Our treasure in heaven is because Jesus Christ, the one who loves you and me, loves the world, loves the, all the peoples of the world, he sits on his throne and welcomes us. And Paul says, I press on toward the goal for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. After uh, today, we're going to conclude the worship with a song called One Pure and Holy Passion. And I just want to finish with the words.